What a joy and a privilege as a church family to participate in that. That's one of my favorite things to uh, get to do as a pastor. In about 2015 or so, I, I was really wrestling through some things in my heart and my life and for our church. While I don't connect with and I've had some pretty difficult experiences with um, gatherings and uh, churches who, who are hyper-charismatic, and so I'll, I'll stress that, hyper-charismatic and movements and all sorts of stuff like that, I also don't connect with super conservative cessationalists who say the Holy Spirit is not at work anymore, certain gifts are, uh, are out, uh, not in operation anymore. I was really struggling through these things, and through one of uh, my mentors, he encouraged me to get involved with an organization called Church Renewal. And through that, I began to uh, learn more about um, openness and order to the Holy Spirit, that we, we can have openness and follow his leading, and that God is still a God of order. And uh, that really helped me, and through some of those teachings, we incorporated some um, uh, new ways in, uh, of prayer and um, some programs and different things that helped me and us as a church. And around about the same time, I was wrestling through um, some ways to deal with our, uh, my own emotions and our emotions. And um, I came in contact with uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, another uh, organization, uh, resources, things like that. And that's where our emotionally healthy relationships and emotionally healthy spirituality courses come from. And through that, I learned a bunch of things as well about my heart and how I connect with Jesus and how to bring my emotions and my whole self to the Lord rather than just segmenting and, you know, um, partitioning off parts and pieces of my life, which is what I think we are doing as a church family as well. And so this morning, what I hope to do is bring together some of those pieces of teaching uh, to land on some of the why behind the what. Uh, so we're, we're in this teaching series, In the Whispers, looking at how to recognize, hear, and follow the voice of God. Two weeks ago in part one, uh, we looked at, you know, does God even still speak? And, and this whole series adds one on the other. Where we want to start is like, okay, teach me the basics. How do I hear God's voice for guidance? Like when I'm in over my head or when I'm in trouble, how do I just like open the Bible and get an answer? How do I go to the church and hear somebody say what I need? How do I listen to God and he's just going to tell me exactly what to do because I'm in trouble and I need him now. And that tends to be the way we live our lives. And that's just not the way it works. Although God listens and he, he speaks to us in those moments and he rescues all the time. It is a progression and a growth. And so we're building this series one piece at a time. And so last week we looked at the, is God still speaking? Two weeks ago. And in part two today, we're going to look at the why behind the what. I don't know about you, but I'm a little pessimistic. So when someone tells me, you should do this, I want to know why. Like, why? Tell me why. If you can't tell me the why, and you want me to do something that's important or good for me or good for you, I, I just want to know the reasons. It helps me get behind that thing that I'm being told to do. And so today I want to look into some of the why behind the what of listening to God. There's a man by the name of Leighton Ford. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. He was the youngest Youth for Christ leader uh, ever at age 14. He was mentored by Billy Graham and eventually became an associate evangelist with the Billy Graham Foundation and the vice president of that whole organization. Here's something he said of listening to God. When I am still, 
God can break through the many layers with which I protect myself so that I can hear his word and be poised to listen. In perpetual motion, I, am, uh, I can mistake the flow of adrenaline for the moving of the Holy Spirit. I can live in the illusion that I am ultimately in control of my destiny and my daily affairs. And then he reminds his readers in this book, French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal observed that most of our human problems come because we don't know how to sit still in our room for an hour. So today I want to look at several why questions. Why behind the what? So that, you know, in saying you should listen to God. You ought to take time to listen to God. You should be still. You ought to have silence in your life so you know why. So as we go through uh, future steps of how to actually do that, it means something and it matters to you in some way, shape, or form. So first question I want to look at is why is listening to God's voice important. So in addition to part one where we said we need to listen to God's voice because we can't understand the Bible apart from the author of the Bible. One other reason, there's a few uh, this morning, is so Christ can function as your Lord and your King. And they use that term function specifically because many of us who are followers of Jesus would say Jesus is my Lord and Savior and King. And we say it um, but we don't live like it. See, uh, when this was written, the New Testament, and if you think of medieval times and lords and kings, the subjects of a king or a kingdom would really show that they followed that king by their behavior. Kings and kingdoms were often involved in battle. And as followers of Jesus, we are in a spiritual battle every single day against dark forces of evil, against Satan and his uh, army, so to speak. So we need communication with our king. And if we just say he's our Lord and king and we're not operating like it by way of listening to our savior, listening to our king, listening to our Lord, who tells us what to do, who doesn't just say, here's a book, I'm distant, do what it says. He actually wants to help us understand the strategies of the enemy. He wants us to understand who we are and who we are in Christ. He wants us to grow. He reveals things we can't know because he is king over his kingdom. And so in this spiritual battle and in this daily battle, we need communication. And so he needs to function as our Lord and King. Consider this from the Old Testament. So King David, the second and, and greatest king of Israel, uh, understood these things. And a particular army, the Philistines, were coming against him. And uh, he sought the Lord. Even though he had victories before, he asked God, How, wh what do I do? <laughs> this army's coming against us. What do I do? 2 Samuel 5.19. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Uh, that's a pretty good question, right? Should I even go at all? They're, they're against me. What do I do? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead, I will certainly hand you over. And he did. He went out straight against them and won. But that was just a, a battle. The war was not over and the Philistines came again. Now, most of us would say, well, I've heard from God once and I know what to do. I, I've been through this. I've rehearsed it. I can repeat this process again. And we just go out the same way. But not David. He understood. That's not the way life works. There are principles and sometimes there's repeating patterns but we still need to be communicating with our Lord and our King. And so 2 Samuel 5.23, he says this, And again David asked of the Lord what to do. 
Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. Same situation, right? But different strategy. We need to communicate with the Lord and King. He wants to be our Lord and King. This happens in the New Testament as well. Acts 16, 6-10 says this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through to Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia and northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, if I lost you in all that geography, you're like, I don't know, Mysia, Bithynia, Galatia, any of that stuff. Understand this. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. They're tasked by God through the Holy Spirit, and they're sent out by the church. And they're trying to take the gospel everywhere. Does Asia, Bithynia, Mysia, all these places, do they need to hear about Jesus? Yes, yes they do. Good answer. Right answer. Yes they do. So they weren't planning anything wrong. Was it God's plan for them to hear it at that time? No. And somehow we don't know how, and this happens multiple times in the book of Acts, where God says, not there now, go here. And Paul listens. And in fact, it's not just Paul listening all the time. It's Paul and companions, or different groups of people who listen and discern the voice of the Lord together so that this thing that they're doing, the same thing every time, they're going into a new city, they're preaching, they're sharing the gospel, should just be right, you should get the pamphlet, pay your little money online and download the, the, the PDF and train your leaders and you go and you do your thing and you repeat it and you go here and you do your thing and you repeat it. That's not the way it works. We need to be in communication with God, our King. We listen to God so he can function or so he can be our Lord and King. Second, we listen so God can function, there's that word again, as your Father. Why? Because God doesn't just want to have communication with you. He wants relationship with you. John 17, 3 says this, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That verse, no, uh, I'll say this delicately, is used elsewhere of marital intimate relationships. Let's put it that way, right? That same word is about intimacy, and yet it's being used of God. God wants to be close and intimate to us. He's not a God up there giving a book down here, giving a church down here, and we better get our things together and do the right things. God wants to be close. In fact, Romans 8, 15 to 16 says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you afraid to serve a master, a God, a Lord, a King, in fear, following his rules or else. Instead, you receive God's Spirit inside you when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Daddy, Father. That's the Hebrew word for Daddy, is Abba. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Everyone, everyone, everyone has a father. Not everyone knows their father, and not everyone has a good relationship with their father. 
God is a good father and wants to be a close father, regardless of your human father on earth. We listen to God so he functions or he becomes or he is in reality our father, not just our king. So he's both. Third, we listen to God so that he can be, be our life. John 15, 5 says this. Yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain, or another word is abide. Those who abide, we started learning a new song last week. Abide. We'll sing it throughout this, this series. Abide in me. Those who abide or remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's something about our spiritual life and our makeup as humans, that we get spiritual nourishment as a branch does from the vine to produce fruit. We draw up spiritual nourishment from a relationship with Jesus, from God the Father himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We draw spiritual nourishment. Now, coming to church, okay, uh, doing spiritual things, they're good. They're, that, there's, that's a part of remaining or abiding. But that doesn't mean that he's your Lord and your King. It doesn't mean that you have a close relationship as Father. But when we abide and we remain, when we are deeply connected, when we know God, even as he knows us, that's when we take up the spiritual nourishment from the vine that comes into us, and he bears fruit through us. Even on our worst days, he can do more through us than on our best days without him, right? That's the way it's meant to be. So he wants to be our Lord, our King, our Father, and our life. That's why we listen to him. But there's a way that we prepare our hearts to listen that is so overlooked and so forgotten about uh, that it seems a little bit weird. So I want to answer this question. Why are silence and stillness important? Why are silence and stillness important? to listening to God. Peter Schizero, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Discipleship Course, all that stuff. It's a great book. It's in our library unless it's out. Um, I encourage you to read that or pick it up. Si he says this in, the, in his book. Silence and stillness are the foundations of a daily office. A daily office is like multiple quiet times throughout the day. It's taken from monastic practices where they would pause throughout the day at regular intervals to be quiet and spend time with God. So, silence and stillness are the foundation of regularly connecting with God throughout the day. We stop our activity and turn our attention to the living God. We heed the words of the psalmist to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37, 7. And to be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, 10. We choose to enter into an awareness of God's presence and to rest there in his love. That choice alone is no small feat. This may be difficult for you, especially at first. Our internal and external worlds are filled with noise and distractions. For this reason, spending time alone with God in silence is perhaps the most challenging and least experienced spiritual practice among Christians today. However, that do doesn't justify taking a pass. If we fail to learn to be quiet in God's presence, to stop talking long enough and routinely enough to listen, how will we mature into Christian adults? How will our relationship with God develop any depth? 
I think there's at least three reasons why we ignore this or, or, or aren't practicing silence and stillness as a first step to begin to know how to listen, recognize, and obey the voice of God. First of all, it's too different. Okay? Silence and stillness, saying the words meditate on God's word, these practices have been um, mined and stolen and taken from healthy relationship with God throughout the Old Testament and the early church. And Satan, the enemy, he cannot create anything. It's not in his nature. He can only copy and deceive. And so he's taken some of the best parts of connecting with God, best parts of a relationship with God, and brought them out and transplanted them in other places, Eastern religions and yoga and all this kind of stuff, so that this kind of thing is so different. When we hear these terms, be silent, be still, and we even read verses from Psalm 37, Psalm 46, elsewhere that says, be still, just, just be quiet, stop moving, stop talking, stop doing your stuff. What we tend to hear in our modern light is that must be something that some guy, some girl, some teacher somewhere has stolen from these Eastern religions and transplanted into Christianity. And it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. We do not practice stillness, silence, meditating on God's word, which just means to chew the cud. That's all it means. The term literally means that. You read a verse, memorize it, get in your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to bring it up throughout the day again and again and again and again until it becomes natural and it shapes your character and you live it without thinking about it. So these practices, they seem like they're this weird thing. And there is a lot of weird teaching out there in Christian circles how it, you know, takes practices from Eastern religions and tries to transplant here. What's the difference between silence and stillness, meditating on God's Word, from scriptural practices and what we see in other areas of the world today. It's quite simple. What comes from other religions, other practices, the lies of Satan, the masquerading as an angel of light, as 2 Corinthians says, those practices teach you to empty yourself and to connect with something. You have to ask yourself this question. What am I emptying myself to? And what am I being encouraged to connect with? Often it's the universe or oneness with something and, 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 and emptiness and openness to, to what may come. That is an openness to evil spirits, to dark spirits. That is a connection to things that are other than God. Our silence and our stillness are pushing away distractions. It's not an emptying. It's a pushing aside all things that are not God to be filled with him, to be filled with his spirit. Listen, being filled with his spirit is not a charismatic experience. It is to have your heart, your mind, your life so fixed on God that you're sucking up that spiritual nourishment from him. It's coming into you and bearing fruit. It's changing you. It's not about an experience you have. It's about a life you live. And so we be still and we be silent before God as a first step to push away the distractions so that we can quiet down to actually hear what God is saying. And in a few weeks, 
we'll learn why that is. But, but here's a hint. It's in the title, in the whispers. God speaks, but we don't recognize and we don't listen. So first of all, the practice of stillness and silence as a first step to quiet ourselves, to be able to focus on God, to hear him in our heart and in the world and in the, the word and through worship, all these places he's speaking, it's too different. We're a little afraid. What if that could be something <laughs> askew and wrong? And that's a, good, that's a good thing to be aware of. But fear not. We don't empty ourselves to open ourselves. We push aside to be filled with God's love and presence and mercy and be changed. Secondly, it's too difficult. <laughs> As I said in the quote from Leighton Ford, it's a hard thing. We live a fast life. Fast life. In fact, there's lots of studies out there with our phones, especially with younger generations, Gen Z and millennials, that not having the phone, not being able to connect, not seeing what's going on regularly, like that's, that's a difficult thing. It's beyond difficult. Older adults, you don't even, we don't even understand what that's like. But we live fast-paced, interconnected lives, and it's very difficult. Sometimes this difficult process take takes time, but it's worth it. Consider this, Psalm 62, 1 and 2. I wait quietly before God. Why? For my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. God is not distant, right? He's not distant. He is our victory. He is our rock, our salvation, our fortress. No matter what comes, we need him. And we need not be shaken because God is with us. But if we're not quiet, if we don't connect with him, if we're not building a deep-seated relationship, we won't recognize him to be this way. There are good results to us functioning uh, with God as our, not as if he is, but as our Lord, King, Father, Life, David says it a few verses later in Psalm 62. Here's the result of being quiet, of him being our Lord, King, Father, life. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. Everything in me, I'm pushing those things aside. I'm waiting on God to speak, act, work in me. For my hope, where? It's in him. We're going to talk a lot about hope at Christmas and going into the new year. So this is important. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and my honor come from God alone. He's my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. All my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Interlude. <laughs> where does David find hope, refuge, strength, protection, fortress, stability, everything we need deeply in life? God. How does he find it? By pushing away distractions. By stopping doing things for God or trying to be something for God and being with God. You know, um, this fall has been just nuts for me. As, like just the way we took some vacation in the summer and we hit the ground running and Jake's away on a parental leave till the new year and all sorts of stuff. And the past couple of weeks I've felt very out of sorts. I've tried to catch up, and I couldn't. And I, I was just going out of my mind. How do I do all this stuff? And I'm preaching through being silent, waiting. Being si you see where this is going, right? You know exactly where this is going. And as I was sitting down thinking, okay, 
what tools and tricks can I have? How do I redo my calendar and set up my to-do list and all these productivity hacks and tips I've learned that I've gotten away from and if I only pick up these practices and become better and do more and get on my discipline and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I'll be okay. And spending time with God, God drew me back to Psalm 37. Be still in the presence of the Lord. And through that, he gave me strategies and tactics and showed me some things and set some things straight. And I left thinking, huh, it's actually not that bad. God's got this. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. This is great. So if God does that in one quiet time, what does he do when that's our practice throughout the day every day? And two days, and two weeks, and two months, and three years. It just grows and grows and grows. But here's the third reason. <laughs> I think it's the most important. So sometimes we don't want to be silent because it's too different. It sounds and seems like something really bad. And, and it can be, but it's not. Sometimes it's too difficult. Like, it's, it's just really hard. It's hard work. But God does that work after we take that initial step to be silent. The third one, we are too stubborn, aren't we? We're too stubborn. Isaiah 30, 15 says this. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Let me give you the context. Israel is, again, being attacked by a neighboring nation. Guess who they're wanting to call for help? Egypt. Sound familiar? If you know the biblical narrative, the people who put them in slavery for 400 years, who chased them, who God rescued them from, they're like, we know who has chariots and horses. We know who has a big army. We, we have this connection back there, right? What if... What if we call Egypt up? They'll protect us from all these enemies. And God says, uh-uh, this, this is how you'll be saved. Only when your hearts return to me and rest in me will you be saved. Now we look at that and think salvation spiritually. When this is written, this is just saved from war. In quietness. What happens when you're quiet? You're calm. You trust. Remember, David said, trust. You know, run to God. Pour your heart out to him. Psalm 62. Trust in the Lord. Okay? And quietness and confidence is your strength. But what? You would have none of it. We're the same. So we're faced with the problem. What do I do? I'm going to drag up my notes and get in my calendar and my to-do software and all this stuff, and I'm going I'm to nail this thing. I'm going to discipline this to death, and I'm going to conquer this, and in my discipline this, because I've done this in the past, and I'll do this again, I will save myself, God will be pleased with me, and I'll move on. And God's just saying, come back to me. Return to me. But you would have none of it. You know what we love? We love a book, a movie, a service, a sermon, a speaker, an event, a concert, a song on the radio, or something. We love something we can go do. A service opportunity. Sign me up. I want to go do something. Get my hands dirty. I want it done quickly, quietly, and in my time. So God, I have a free weekend. That course works, right? So I'm going to go hear a speaker. I'm going to watch this thing. I'm going to come to church this week, that week, whatever. 
And we want God to bend and bow to what we do. Listen, those of you uh, who are, uh, have young kids right now, you'll get this right away. When your baby is crying in the middle of the night, screaming, out of sorts, they do not want a new soundscapes machine to put a better rail noise on, right? What do they want? They want the presence of a parent. The presence of a parent. And God knows that when we are out of sorts, what we want to do is run to the end. God, how can I sense your guidance? Tell me what to do. I'm at a fork in the road. I don't know what to choose. Do I date this guy? Do I go to this school? What do I do with my finances? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And what God is saying, back the truck up. Return to me. We need his presence. There's lots of good guidance coming. There's lots of good guidance in his word. But we need the author. We need the father. We need the king. We need our life. Long before we need to go to him and say, answer this question for me. Because if we go to God answering, to answer our question and we re- disregard our relationship with him, we miss the whole point. The point of listening to God isn't so we know what to do. It's so we walk with him step by step so that we're always out of sorts, so that we never know what the heck we're doing. But each step of the way he does, and we can walk. When we return or turn back to God, here's what happens. Further on in Isaiah 30. And your ears shall hear a word. We're going to talk about words next week and words the week after that. You will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When? When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. In other words, if you learn to be still and silent and grow in your relationship with God so that in the busy times of life when you can't be still, when you can't be silent, when you're not fully focused on God, you will hear his voice in your heart saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It's as you're walking. It's meant to be like that. We need silence and stillness and alone time with God to grow in our understanding and awareness of him so that in the rest of the stuff of life, we know he's right there. and We we very readily recognize that he's speaking. This is the way you go in it. That's the end story. That's what we want, right? (laughs) Tell me the way to go, how to walk. And God is saying it, it begins not through principles or courses or books. Those are all helpful, and we're going to look at lots of principles and things I've learned from courses and books. But it begins here, a relationship with God. Are you going to God once a day, multiple times a day, even once a week to be still, to listen? Are you nurturing your relationship? Are you abiding in Him? Are you relating to your Lord and King and communicating? Are you growing in your relationship with your Father? Are you drawing your life from Jesus? If not, here's my simple, very simple invitation to you. Take time to be still and know God. Just take time to be still and know God. God wants to communicate. He wants to be in relationship. He wants to be your Lord, King, Father, life. Take time to be still and know God. 
So let me teach you a little bit about what I know about stillness and silence. And I've been trying to practice some of this over the past number of years, and it's been life-giving. Um, because I, I start out my quiet times by, I, I know it's, it's a tough thing, right? By being quiet. Just a minute, a couple minutes. You know, you know what I love to do? I love to uh, listen to God's Word deep and quick and be like, get in there. I'm intense. I don't know if you can tell. And so I love to spend my quiet times with God and like just get in there. And I'm like reading a verse and going, that! And then I run, right? And I spend very little time. And I don't want to pray because God knows my heart anyway. And that's how I traditionally did things for years and years and years. And it was okay. But it wasn't great. So then I picked up journaling. And it was God's way to slow me down. And I would journal the conversations that I was having in my heart. God, uh, I'm, I'm struggling with this today, and I'd hear him say something through his word or, or something through someone else, and I'd write that down. It was a great way to slow down. But a next step for me was to learn to actually not come with my agenda, with my speed, with my mind on 15 things to tell God, here's what you need to do for me today. Thanks, God. See ya, right? That, in all honesty, is how I tended to treat quiet times. And the practice of stillness and silence has helped a great deal in that. I still have a long way to go. So, set a time this week. If you can only do it once, once is better than none. Or set a time each day. That's important, making your decision ahead of time. I'm not talking about quiet times or what you'll read, your devotions, journaling, anything. I'm just talking about how to start. Pick a time. Once a day, or once this week. When you do, sit down. Sit down. Be rested. Our bodies are connected to everything. We're to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, strength, mind, body, all of us. Everything. David said, I waited quietly on the Lord with all my being, all I am. Sit still, for goodness sakes. Put your phone down, put your books down, just sit. And in that moment, take a couple deep breaths. I'm not talking about humming or any type of Eastern meditation stuff. Just take a few deep breaths. <sighs> Get it off your chest with God. Be still and close your eyes. Those three things for a moment of stillness help beyond what you can imagine to put things aside, to get the distractions out of your eyes, to just be still. And then what you want to do is offer a prayer to God and say, God, like I am here for you. Fill me with your love. Make me aware of your presence. I can't do the work. You can. And then pick a small prayer. Pick a small prayer. Why? Because your mind, your heart, your life will wander. Even if you just time a minute you time a minute, your brain will go 15 different ways <laughs> to begin with. Grab a prayer to bring you back. This isn't about centering Eastern meditation stuff. This isn't about repetition. This is about the reality that your mind's going to wander, and I tend to use two of them. One is, I just say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Better to be brought back in my heart and mind to prepare to listen from God than to have never tried it out. You know God's not judging you, right? Like you sit down to be quiet and your mind goes. He's not like a taskmaster. How dare you not focus? He's a loving Father who will walk and work with you. And so I just invite God to fill me, 
be present with me, guide my time. I, I have a plan, right? I know where I'm reading and things like that. But if he wants to deviate, then he does. And as my mind wanders, and it still does, I say, thank you, Jesus, when he brings me back. Or I say something like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, thank you for saving me, your son. Something short to get my heart and my mind back focused on him. And I find that when I do that, my mind's not racing. I'm not thinking about what I have to do later. Oftentimes, I'll just write that down quick and put it aside. And I can open God's Word. I can listen to worship. I can journal. I can read a devotional. I can go through my prayer time and my prayer list. I can do those things with less distraction, and it's more profitable. And I leave with a greater sense that God has been with me as I've just been open to God. So this week, pick at least one time. If you can pick one time, per day. Get alone. It doesn't take a long time. I'm not trying to encourage you to go spend an hour with God. That's a wonderful thing. I wish we'd all know how to do that. Pick one time. Three to five minutes. Take 30 seconds to one minute to be quiet. Time it on your watch or your phone if you want. Bring your mind back by saying, thank you, Jesus, or Abba Father, or something that will help you focus back on God, and then use that as a way to set the tone for the rest of your quiet time with God, whatever that may be. If you're struggling through what to read, if you get the Bible app, we've got lots of devotionals on there. You can click on the way.app on our Bible app event, and there's a whole devotional on abiding. Abide one. It's going to go through everything I'm teaching over the next few weeks, but you get something five days of the week and deeper practices on how to begin a quiet time, how to begin listening to God. It's going to give you way more teaching than I can ever give on Sundays. I believe this is so important, but when we think it's too different, too difficult, or we're way too stubborn, we miss out. We miss out. God wants this for us, not for him. Although he gets the glory. We need to be still. Take time to be still and know God. Would you stand with me as we pray?